Good morning, and welcome back to If I May. It's been a couple weeks since my last, the original podcast, and uh, a lot has happened, so I've been, had a lot going on, like I said, I had the surgery this past week, uh, last, what is it's Friday, so this past Tuesday, so the last few days I've just been recovering, and before that, just trying to enjoy my time with both hands <laughs> uh it was on my left hand so uh, i will be uh, fortunately i'm primarily right-handed but i'll be using just my i'll have only my right hand for a while so uh i was playing a lot of games um really doing that playing a lot of games and just you know leading up to my surgeries i often have a lot of uh anxiety i guess uh just emotion just yeah anxiety i uh you know it's just the time i have to take off time off of work time from doing things i enjoy time you know it's just a a break a pause in my life that i unfortunately have to take regularly in order to maintain uh the kind of life that i want to have which is a productive one and uh you know one free of as free as possible of unnecessary suffering and so you know having these surgeries is really the only thing that at this moment that i know of and that the medical world knows of that will help me accomplish that anyways uh a lot has happened like i said i'm gonna kind of talk about what's happened over the last few weeks some funny stuff and ironic stuff uh, so yeah, and then just the things that I learned from it and thoughts that that uh, stemmed as a result. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I received a notification from a dating app that I had downloaded and completely forgot about. To be honest, I've tried dating apps for on and off a lot, on a lot of off <laughs> and on uh, over the past I don't know ten years or so. With little to no luck, uh, most of the time it's fake profiles or scammers, and uh, you know. But I try to be, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, you know, and try to go into things with a without too much cynicism, because I can have a lot of it. And uh, you know, I did so, and so this girl, you know, she's from the L.A. area, so not that far away. She has several photos, so it seems relatively legit. They don't look, you know, screenshot or faked or anything overall. And she has, you know, some detailed information in her bio. So I was like, okay, it seems relatively legit. And so, you know, we start talking. Uh, you know, I was going to actually be in L.A. that night uh, going out with a friend. And... um yeah, so, you know, we chatted, and I was like, hey, we could meet up after, and she was like, yeah, sure, and then she sp- just sprung this uh, dirty talk kind of thing on me, and basically, she's asking me to send her a photo, and asked me also to send her, before that, she asked me to send her my Instagram, so I sent her my Instagram, and, you know, I feel like Instagram, for me, that's kind of a go-to, because, you know, you can kind of see how I am on Instagram, I have, I'm pretty active on Instagram, more so than most of my other social media. Actually, more so than any of my other social media. And, um, you know, I feel like it's a good uh, 
reference as to how legit someone is if they have you know it's not a hundred percent but if someone is willing to you know share an instagram over a snapchat or maybe a phone number because a lot of there's a lot of fake numbers a lot of google numbers a lot of uh, fake snap accounts or you know and and the same goes for instagram it's just a little easier for me to reference because i'm more active on there but anyways so shared it she had a private profile a couple pictures and a, a couple hundred followers so it seemed relatively legit from what i could tell but uh yeah so she was asking me you know to send her a picture and i was like at first i was like oh no so you know she pressured a couple more times so i i was bored and you know wanted the interaction so i sent her a picture and it's uh i've taken literally like maybe two or three of these type of photos uh in my lifetime uh you know dick pics to be explicit uh very few and sent very few uh, and so this is just an old one that i remembered i had saved in my phone and you know anyways <laughs> so i sent it to her and next thing you know she turns around and is like send me sends this long obviously pre-scripted message Lots of anger, angry emojis, uh, screenshotting, you know, her sending these photos to and screenshots to people in my friends list and telling me if I don't that I, you know, that I, you know, basically uh, demanding five hundred dollars. And if I didn't, you know, threatening me. So I and this is from the number, the phone number that she gave me initially. So uh which I failed to say earlier, but yeah, she gave me her phone number, then we exchanged uh, Instagram, and then then the photo. But yeah, so I sent, uh, yeah, so I ended up blocking her number, and uh, she used my Instagram to get my email address, because I have a business account, so. And she then messaged me on my email, sending me again more screenshots, yada yada. So, you know, I, I for me, like, I realized, like, obvious bad bad decision <laughs> i messed up uh but it is what it is you know from the time the moment i took that picture i you know thought for it what if someone you know what if one day i'm well known or someone you know uh, wants to use it against me like that's always a possibility even having it in my phone you know uh it's a, it's a possibility and you know so it, it's not something that i that I mean, it caught me off guard for sure, but it's not something I was entirely surprised by. And so she, yeah, so she, you know, threatened me again. Oh, you blocked me, yada, yada, yada. I'll send this to yada, 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 yada. People at work and your friends and this and that. I mean, fortunately, I'm not friends with anyone from work on social media. I was friends with one person, but they don't even respond. So I just remove them anyways. And uh, from my present work, at least. But from my previous job, <laughs> I'm friends with a lot of people. And so a couple of them ended up getting sent the picture. and you know, So I posted uh, in my story letting people know, you know, you may get an explicit picture. Yada, yada. Sorry, I keep saying yada, yada. But you may get an explicit picture just uh, from a unknown person. Just best to probably delete the picture before you even get it. I delete the the message before you even open the request. So, uh, what I meant. 
and so uh but yeah that was just kind of uh to me and you know especially even now like it's just humorous and come to find you know people from my previous workplace uh So yeah, people from my previous workplace, a couple of them got it, and then uh, ended up sharing it with uh, uh, sharing the information, and more than likely the picture with other people. So it's probably gone around a little bit. No other people, you know, those who didn't get it, if, but have heard about it, you know, curiosity's peaked. So I think that's that's kind of funny, you know. It's like, uh, you know, uh, in in times like that, I kind of like. Like they say, you know, all publicity is good publicity. There's no such thing as bad publicity. But um, but yeah, just kind of a humorous thing. It's just like you know, I I I don't attach myself to anything in a manner that would allow someone to to blackmail me. Like I learned a long time ago that you know people will use whatever they can against you, whether it's people you know or people you don't know. And so you know, I hold myself back from trying to get too attached to any one scenario or thing for that very reason and so you know when something like this happens it's not it kind of just slips off the shoulder and I'd, I don't really have any shame in it you know it's a picture and it's not like nobody's seen a dick before so uh but yeah uh, <laughs> you know and it kind of forces myself to be out there and have to interact more with people when I can be a little more reserved uh, especially around times like this where I have a lot on my mind. But yeah, that was that was one instance of something crazy within the last couple weeks. Um again continued my ADHD treatment, saw my my uh, psychiatrist and and that's really been going a lot better. Um it's been the medicine uh, I'm taking is is very helpful. It's uh it's definitely helping and boost my, I guess, boost my dopamine. You know, it's it's stimulating me. It's it's helping me want to be more active and get things done and be more productive. So I'm very very happy with it. Um, you know, the few days that I'm off of it, I do see uh, some irritability, uh, but I'm very like I'm open about it and you know, but I, I've been trying to learn. And be more adaptable, you know, like it's just a big like growth experience. One of those one of those turning moments in life, perhaps, where I'm just really trying to better myself and better my situation. Um, you know, and, and in thinking about that, I, I realized how 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 much the some of the negative things about myself, about my personality that are that I notice I or I guess I often refuse to notice I've tried to work on them in the past um and kind of maybe struggled with it I realize and I think in struggling with doing so I more so just avoided situations that caused me to have to use that part of me I, I realize that I have kind of a an avoidance uh, an avoidant personality when in in scenarios where you know if i have to deal with something that is difficult for me or something that makes me feel inadequate maybe more so 
I will just avoid a situation that, or avoid responding in a situation that leaves me vulnerable enough to have to use that weaker portion of myself. And then in doing so, too, when I find other people, like other friends or people I'm involved with, who struggle with a similar thing, um, a, a, a big, a, a simple example is just like organization. In general, I can be very organized, but when I get stressed out, just overwhelmed by my mind, by life, then my area can become very disorganized. And it stresses me out even more um, when I notice it. But a lot of times, you know, I'll push it away. But then, you know, when other people around, when I'm around other people, living with other people, and, and I see, you know, maybe they're also a little disorganized, or more so or less, you know, often if it's more, more so disorganized than I am, then, you know, I get very irritable um, around the mess uh, and, you know, kind of like in trying to help like a friend, uh, you know, grow themselves, you know, I point out how disorganized they were and how they needed to be organized. And, and in doing so, too, I took off, I took the focus off of myself and my own need to be more organized, more consistently. And I, I realized that over the past few weeks that. Um, just the truth of 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 a uh, of a quote that I'm going to paraphrase that I heard uh, from a popular psychologist saying that I think it was Carl Jung, but he says, uh, you know, often the things that we dislike in other people are a reflection of the things we dislike in ourselves. The things we see in others that we dislike are actually the things that we dislike in ourselves, And so I just kind of struck home and kind of became more of a, I became more aware of the truth of that, of that thought, of that theory, of that idea. And uh, apologize to my friend and have tried to be more open to realizing my, my own struggles more so than before. Um, and that's good. Like it's, you know, it's progress. It's, it's a step towards the right thing and it's you know help in the future you know when i run across someone who maybe aggravates me or frustrates me in how they are to maybe it's take it as more of a signal you know of course it's going to aggravate me i'm going to run across people that are just fucking obnoxious but you know to take it more proactively towards within myself and uh, you know Maybe working on that specific aggravation within myself a little more. And it won't, you know, it's going to aggravate me. It's not because it's not something I want to be part of myself. But dealing with it within myself will help it be less of a hindrance in my day-to-day life. and Interfere less with my interactions and connections with other people. And if I may, following my last episode, I asked uh, on my Instagram for some questions to kind of, uh, yeah, some Q&A type questions uh, to go over in my podcast. And I really just got one specific one this past time. And the question is, uh, what is something I see in myself reflected in others 
And that's really a really deep question, really good question. And I guess what I previous, what I just, you know, what I was just talking about really is one one thing, you know, is negative things about myself, but in a better, in a more positive light, in a more uh, uplifting light towards myself, you know, there's other things that I see that are that are good that I see reflected in other people, maybe kind of in an indirect in indirect way and uh i'd say one one big thing is the desire to connect with other people i realize i'm not very outgoing i tend to let other people take the first step i used to be much more outgoing and less this way but as i've gotten older and experienced different things uh i've become more set and i've become more comfortable with just letting others take the first step i'm always willing to respond but more often than not i'm not willing to take the first step and put myself out there to be hurt because it gets old (laughs) it gets old being hurt it gets old being you know rejected it gets old it gets old caring more than than those you care about it gets old always being the one who cares more and most of the time in my life, that's how I felt. But anyways, if I may, one of the things is, like I said, uh, connection. Um, I find that throughout my life, people will, random people in random instances will just open up to me randomly <laughs> about all sorts of things. Uh, my aunt saw a picture that I took of a couple of nomads or homeless people, hobos, I don't know. Uh, several, like 10 years ago when I just used to wander around Birmingham and uh, practice photography. And it's a decent picture. It's just a black and white picture. Uh, one, it's just a um, middle-aged looking bald white guy and a mm, probably 20 to 30 year old uh, light-skinned guy. And he's, I'm pretty sure he's like, like he's a homosexual. Uh, I don't know. It's just my assumption. But he, the guy, the the, the shorter, uh, light-skinned guy sitting in the white guy's lap, and they're just smiling. You know, they asked me to take a picture. I was talking to them, and they saw that I was taking photos and asked me to take a picture, so I did. And, and I remember, you know, I used to just wander around, and most of the time I would find the best conversations and the most friendly interactions from those type of people, from, you know, the homeless people, the street walkers, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I just, I got comfortable hanging out by myself downtown because of it and had a lot of different conversations. Even though when I, you know, I used to work in a pharmacy and customers would come in and just randomly tell me, you know, this private information about their life that they don't need to. And, uh, you know, and, but to me, one of the things that I feel I struggle with often is oversharing, Uh, you know. When I connect well with someone, it, it 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 incites something in me that just wants to continue. You know, it just I open up and it just continue. It just wants to flow. You know, and it's hard to stop. And I think sometimes too, I I also incite that same thing out of other people, not intentionally, but ironically, and just being, you know, me, just who I am 
and I know it's a it's an INFJ thing also. It's it's popular characteristic of how people respond to INFJ often and a lot of it too probably is because of my reserved nature. And I've heard the the monotone steadiness of my voice often. Uh, there are different things I know. And uh but it's nice. It's encouraging and and I most of the time I, I overall enjoy and appreciate and respect when people do that. Um I like connecting, so it's really nice. As I previously mentioned, I've been going to a psychiatrist for ADHD and depression. Uh, started taking medicine for the ADHD, as I also mentioned. And, um, but yeah, and uh, as well as researching uh, ADHD and a lot of the impacts it has on other people's lives and seeing and in my research finding how ADHD I am is just it's crazy it's wild but then also seeing you know as I said I'm I'm an INFJ and I've done a lot of research on INFJ personality types through the Myers-Briggs personality theory and I'm very much an INFJ. And it's ironic how many of the characteristics that follow an INFJ also follow those with ADHD. How 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 relative they are to one another. Similarly with other things like um uh I know a lot of INFJ tend to be on the spectrum in some ways. I don't there I've questioned, but I don't really think that I am. Maybe I am. Uh, I mean, I'm, I guess if I am, not much. You know, not not nothing that stands out. Uh, and that's, f- I mean, for me, I'm cool with it. Because I've kind of come to find, too, through, social, through you know, TikTok and other things, how the idea is similar to what happened with depression. Not like when I was a teenager, I saw a similar thing, and now it's like with autism and the spectrum, and it becomes like it's become a fad to be autistic. It's like when I was younger, it was like a fad to be depressed, and it's crazy to me. Like the depression one, they're different. Uh, these two fads, in my perspective, because the 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 depression one, like I feel like depression is a part of life. Um, to be human, you know, you're going to struggle with depression at some point in time, you know. There are, however, people who struggle with it way more than others, you know. And there are those who have trouble getting out of it and getting past it way more than others. Uh, and a lot of it is primarily, I feel, circumstantial, depending on the li- the person's life, the quality of life, nature and nurture, and those type of things. Whereas with the autism and that spectrum and the fad that it's become, it's more become like the depression became like an excuse for people to just be sad and bummed out and not not be productive, you know? Like it's not a reason to not be productive. Like I struggle I've struggled with it my li- you know, most of my life without any kind of medication or much help, you know, 
And most of the time, especially in my adult life, when it's been the worst, on my own. You know, and I've still been productive and still made changes in my life to try to better it and make my life better. You know, so I find it hard to... I can understand it and empathize with it, but I can't understand or empathize with people who stay in it and don't do anything to get out of it. I can understand how easy it is to stay in it and struggle to get out of it. But I just can't find excuse for you to not try and give a true effort if you really don't want to be in it. Otherwise, you just want to be in it. And, you know, like I said, it's just used as a not always, but often used as a crutch, you know, as an excuse to not do something with yourself, to not better yourself, to not better your situation. And I know, like, not everyone has the same drive and ambition and, I guess, strength that I do. But I feel like I don't have anything, you know, it's nothing supernatural. It's just, it's what I have, you know. I I didn't, I was given a crappy card, a crappy hand, but I play it as best as I can, you know. And I feel like there are people with way better hands and a couple really shitty cards, but they just play, they always play them wrong. And it, I feel like they need to realize that, you know. But anyways, moving on if I may, with the autistic spectrum. I feel like people use it as an excuse to be insensitive and out of touch and consciously disassociate from personally convenient scenarios. I have had had siblings, I've had friends, I've had children of friends who are autistic and to me I I love them autistic truly autistic people are some of the like the best minds in the world to me like if they're not just if they're not you know obviously just geniuses they are the most genuine authentic and sincere people that you'll ever meet in your life you never have to question how they feel about you what they feel about you or anything Like, you don't have to question them. You don't have to doubt them. Because they're so straightforward and honest about what they think and feel. And often because that is their challenge. To understand what it is they really think and feel. But on a more interpersonal level than than those who don't struggle with autism. But that is also what makes them, to me, so great. You know, one of the few people who convinced me that there is such thing as unconditional love when for a time I felt there wasn't was my sister who had uh, Down syndrome Gabby she had both Down syndrome and was autistic and I believe she was she had Down syndrome for sure but I mean the way that she responded was similar to the way that other that to that I know autistic people responded and the way that she was, the, the straightforwardness of her of her communication and her interaction was, you know, 
it was that way. It was so genuine and authentic. And, you know, she was one of the few people who I know always accepted me no matter what, you know, and always would. You know, uncircumstantially, without conditions. I didn't have to be a certain way or do a certain thing or act a certain way or respond a certain way for her to care about me in the same way she did every day. And that is hard to find. Ironically, hard to find. And often depressingly hard to find. And I'm glad that I found it with her. And, you know, I've now found it with another family here in California who's basically adopted me and taken me in and showed me that I can be myself around them and they will still look out for me and care for me and and want to be a part of my life actively. And it's it's invaluable. It's something that I strive greatly to not take for granted. And I greatly appreciate. We're back on to topic. Like I said, people use this autism as a as a fad. You know, because at the end of the day, it's it's a struggle. You know, s- some in some severity. But most of the time, the people who are, you know, the ones fatting about it are the people who are on the border. You know, they're they're slightly autistic. It's not an excuse to be apathetic. It's not an excuse to disengage from your from the impact of your own actions, choices, decisions and words. You know, one of the biggest issues I have with my generation and it's really not just even my generation. It's it's the generations, you know, aside, beside, countering, before and after my generation as well. Is the victimization of oneself is atrocious. There's so much victimizing. And it's one part that I know I struggle with in being in having such a rare condition and you know, the struggles that I've had to go through and, you know, my my um ang- my anxiety my what's the word i'm thinking of yeah my my anxiety my apprehension sorry that's what it is my apprehension to sharing my story and my life is because i don't want to be seen as one of those people just seeking pity just being a victim you know my life is not my condition, I am not my condition, I am not the bad things I've been through. They're a part of what shaped me, but they're not who I am. And they're not who I want to be seen by. And even though, like, with my condition, I still have to struggle with it every day, and I still have to deal with it and work through it. And often, you know, on my own, with little help and little understanding, because it is so rare. And because people with other conditions or similar disabilities I can't relate to you know it's often very lonely but I still don't want to be a victim like I want to be productive I want to live a 
I want to live a life worth living. And I want to be, you know, li- live a life of meaning and purpose. And though I struggle to find that purpose and meaning, and will continue to struggle too until I find it. You know, I feel everyone should do that. I I see, you know, at bare minimum, that's that's what you, that's the purpose of life. The purpose of life is to give life purpose, at the bare minimum. You know, if you don't believe in any kind of God or religion or afterlife or anything, like, at least give your life purpose. That's the least that you can do, both for yourself and for those around you, who you're connected with. And so, yeah, it's it's just another piece of that victimization that I see. You know, it's a refusal to keep oneself accountable and keep those around you accountable for the sake of people's feelings. And I'm very emotional person, sensitive person in some cases, but, you know, there are times where your feelings are not are not the best guiding course for you, nor for your life. And if not kept in check, they can get you in trouble, which is why it's good to have people who are less emotional and less feeling around you if you tend to be an emotional feeling person. And that's one thing that often weighs in my head in the background in my observations and connections with people, my apprehensions in sharing myself and opening up and sharing my story, even though I hear time and time again of how impactful it could be, how <laughs> funny it is, you know, like I had people say, oh, you should be on TV or you should start a podcast, you should start a TikTok, all this kind of thing, you know, this and I, I love the idea, I, I, the, all these ideas. I would like to do it all. But, you know, not in the manner that is shown before me in most cases. You know, I, I don't want to make, I, I'm not going to make myself a fool just to make other people laugh. If I do something foolish and other people can laugh out of it, then sure, I don't mind sharing that kind of thing at all. But I'm not going to consciously make myself a joke just to get attention. I'm not going to sell my own beliefs, my own dignity, my own self-respect for others' attention either. And I don't, and I want what I create and what I'm a part of to be as most as, as much as possible original you know have my own style my own diction my own relevance and that's why it's really tough for me to be consistent in stuff like you know hobbies that i find like photography i've always loved it but i always go on and off and, you know this podcast i i want to be more consistent and do it on a a weekly or at least bi-weekly basis you know and I find it hard to be consistent with things for that 
for many reasons, but for that reason. It's also a struggle of ADHD. The procrastination and the perfectionism that I comes from being an INFJ. You know, I want, it's like, I want to do things right, you know, the first time. I want, I want my first time to be great. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I want it to be noticeably good. You know, a lot of times I see other people's first attempts and I'm like, man, if if that is what I felt the product of my first attempt would be, then I wouldn't want to ever do it. <laughs> and I know it's really hard on myself and I know that I am. And I know that it kind of holds me back in some instances and I, I'm working on that and trying to be more. Allow myself more creative leeway. You know. And um and I feel that, you know, with this podcast and with other things that I'm doing in life and working on that I'm I'm doing that slowly but surely and steadily. And to wrap up this episode, talk a little bit about my time out in Hollywood a couple weeks ago. It had been a while since I had been out to Hollywood. Uh, I went out with uh, an old roommate and a friend, and it's been a long time. Probably, I think we were like a couple years. It was like right before COVID started for my birthday, I believe. (coughs) And uh, it was a new place, and I I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. It was like three three different venues in one and uh, kind of bounce around and it's it's ironic how much i really like going out to like the club and it, it at the same time it's not i mean i used to dj i dj'd for two years and i mean partially because i really like going out the way i even got the gig djing was from going out you know i had some friends that i ran into uh after moving out on my own around Twenty twenty one, yeah. Actually, this was uh twenty twenty two twenty three, and um, you know, they invited me out one day, and I went out, and I really enjoyed myself. And from there, I just kept going out every weekend. And would go out more frequently, and you know, go out and drink, and you know, it the when I drink, it really soothes the social anxiety that I get, and uh used to I was much more outgoing when I would drink than I am now um but I'm still you know I still man I'll talk like crazy after a few drinks and uh, and I'd go out and drink and dance and you know just dance with myself and have fun and ended up meeting a, a really good friend um I'll talk about her one day her name was Elena uh she had a really really big impact on my life but you know and as well as uh, connecting with different uh, DJs in the area and different, uh, you know, uh, after going out so much and, you know, just being myself, you know, a lot of times I would get in, they they would started letting me in for free and and then eventually, you know, let me in with a guest and, you know, I was like, started getting VIP treatment and it was, man, it was a lot of fun. It was such a good time. And then uh, got to know one of the DJs at a specific uh, late night club and, you know, that DJ was older, and up in his 30s, pushing 40, and he was start, uh, getting ready to retire, move on to real estate, and he was telling me about it, and I told him, you know, just threw it out there, and I, 
just threw it out there and i was like you know it'd be so cool if you just trained me to dj and i took over for you when you left and lo and behold he actually took it to heart and put the plan into action unfortunately after a couple years of training and filling in and learning and becoming a dj uh it fell through and they didn't the the owners didn't end up hiring me and ended up firing him and that was really hard but you know it was a really fun time and something i really enjoyed doing and you know something i'll hope maybe one day get back into you know if i can keep my hands in good shape and my ears in good shape long enough to and set myself up you know like get a place where i can house the equipment and that kind of thing you know house my own equipment because for the longest time i just used the the club's equipment Uh, but yeah it was a lot of fun and uh you know i just completely forgot where i was going with this (laughs) but dang sorry guys my adhd but yeah um Oh, sorry. Uh, now I remember. Sorry, I just had to think for a second. Uh, Hollywood. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, since I moved to California in 2017, I've been... I've gone out a bit, uh, a few times by myself. And then uh, when I moved in with this particular roommate a few years back, we would go out every weekend, often to a Fullerton area. And then we started venturing out into uh, Hollywood. and So we caught back up and went out. And it was it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I realized, and even he, you know, mentioned how, after COVID, you know, how everyone, you know, their, everyone's social anxiety kind of peaked a little bit. And, you know, going back out and being around, you know, crowds of people is still a little unfamiliar. And for me, it's always been that way. But, you know, I realized how I want to be, I want to be more outgoing, you know, I don't want to have crippling, I don't want to be crippled by my anxiety too much. You know, I want to, I don't mind it helping me make sensical choices, you know, and not be too crazy. But, you know, I don't want it to withhold me from saying anything to any, you know, to making any kind of advances with any kind of girl or that kind of thing, you know, because, I mean, I want to meet people. Of course, you know, I primarily go for the music. I mean, I go for the music for the people I, I like to watch and see people interact in, but I also want to interact with people. So, you know, it, it kind of something that it, put in my mind is just to be on occasion be more outgoing you know don't be afraid to at least say there's nothing wrong with saying hello exchanging names and asking if she wants to dance you know like exercising of course some respect you know i don't want to be like the typical club goer that i see but i do enjoy going to the club and it was a lot of fun and a lot of fun catching up with an old friend who you know, we didn't talk for a while. So a lot of times it's like, you know, uh, were we even still friends? And he finally hit me up and, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, I, I like to say, since I moved here, you can't spell Hollywood without Holly. Sounds like I'm meant to be here. <laughs> uh, not really, but you know, puns. But hey, guys, if I may, thank you for joining this second episode. And uh, I look forward to 
more good discussions and hopefully in the future can get more people involved and actively involved in the podcast so i will uh pull up a poem here real quick and share my final my final words with you i the, the name of this poem i also don't really have a name but i'm gonna call it <laughs> uh the bird song Ring-a-ding-ding, the old bird did sing. Tell me a sweet secret, tie it to my wing. I struggled at times, such words to plant. But as soon as I started, I began to rant. Just the other day, I whispered softly. I wrote a love song my heart had taught me. That's not a secret, the bird did say. Let me try again, once more, I pray. <laughs>